It is good to be back. A lot of us were out last Sunday. It's just nice. It's so nice to be back. I appreciate you guys. It's good to be here. We're going to start off in Joshua chapter 1. I'll give you a chance to, to get there. Yeah. title of this message is Riding into Battle. And I'll start off by saying uh, the message Chad gave, uh, Pastor Chad gave in Evansville last week was fantastic. Talking on, on Gideon and contagious cultural courage. If you haven't got a chance to listen to that, I recommend it. Take a listen to that. YouTube, Spotify, Podbean. That was a that was a really encouraging message. You know, I was homesick and w- watching it online. And how great is it that we can watch something online? If you can't be there in person, you can still be a part of it. I still rather be in person, but it's still it's pretty great to have that option. You, know, you don't miss out just because because you have to be out a week. So that was. I already was, the Lord was already working on me on this message, and that just really confirmed it. And I, I, that, that really got me excited. So I re- highly recommend that message last week. Um, this is a time where we're going to need some courage, I think, in, in the body of Christ and where we are as a church and where everything. And I want to open up with prayer, and then we'll dive into Joshua chapter 1. Lord, thank you so much for today. Lord, I pray this word has the effect that you desire it to have. Lord, you speak what you want spoken today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I'm going to read in Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to read 5 through 9. First, I want to give you a little context, though. So this is the start of the book of Joshua. This is right after Moses has died. Joshua is the new leader. And he's got to take this group of this generation that had just come from their parents had been slaves in Egypt and their parents have died in the wilderness. And he's got a new generation and Moses, the very, uh, how do you follow in the footsteps of Moses? How do you fill the shoes of, of that guy? And you got to lead this nation into an, God has given you this land, and he's commanded you. The, the nations that live there, they've reached a time where it's time to, to judge them. And we, that's all throughout world history. God gives time for repentance, and then there's time where he brings judgment. And the, this point, he's bringing the children of Israel back in to judge the nations and destroy those nations that are in the land. So you're leading a group that has everybody who was over the age of 20 at the time of this wilderness has died off. So you have a new generation that has basically grown up in the wilderness camp, and you're going to lead them into an entrenched, battle-hardened, fortified land with a very violent inhabitants, and you're outnumbered, and they're in fortified cities, and you're not. And this is not a really appealing... <laughs> you have to trust God in this because it's not a very appealing prospect. It's not something that you would plan out on paper and say, well, this is a good idea. Uh, not at all. So God's going to give Joshua a little bit of a pep talk here because he needs it. Verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law 
my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. It'd be easy to read that and say, well, that was for Joshua. I believe God has called us as a church to reach our communities in a way that we haven't before. There's a point where you are a part where, where you grow up as kind of a, as a babe in Christ and kind of as an adolescent and God's teaching you. And there's a point where he, as a, as a church, you reach an adult stage where now it's, you've grown up now and it's time to impact and influence the world around you. And our calling is not to not conquest in the sense of conquering people the way that they were conquering people, but there is a spiritual conquest that we are called to impact Henderson and Evansville. And there are entrenched adversaries of the, uh, the enemy. There are, there are demonic strongholds. There are thought, thought processes that are contrary to God. There are things entrenched around us, and it looks like how are we going to impact Henderson and Evansville? And that, that is our book of Joshua calling today. And it'd be really easy to look at and say, too big. Too big a job. That's what I want these verses to sink in today. God is commanding, saying, be strong, be courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Because he is with us. No one will be able to stand. We're not talking about people. I'm talking about fighting people. I'm talking about fighting the enemy that's trying to hold our, our cities here. will not be able to stand you, against you all the days of your life. And it's easy to say, it's easy to be, I want to be careful how I say this, so let me, let me give you some background. I've always grown up with a very high respect for those who have served in military service. I haven't served myself. My dad is a veteran. I grew up enjoying studying military history and have and I always have great respect so never never think I uh, never think otherwise but there are times in any country's history or any battle any war even even way back hundreds of years ago there's times where one side has a huge advantage and yes it always takes courage going into battle because there's always risk but there's times where you have the superior weapons and, it, and you, there's a little bravado that comes with that, yeah. And then there's times the other side has the big guns and the, and, the, and the weapons. And there's something I admire when someone goes into battle knowing that the other side has them outgunned. There's, today, uh, you, you look at, I, I like to study military technology too, you look at a modern tank, uh, fighter jet, attack helicopter, and you, you go into battle and you're like, I've, I've got a superior weapon. My, this tank, this fighter jet, this helicopter could can best three or four or five enemy ones. You know, the enemy can shoot their 
their tank at me and my tank will withstand it. And one shot from mine, I'll destroy them. There's, there's a little bit of confidence that comes with that. I'm like, yeah, all right. Yeah, I'll ride into battle when I, I got the better, I got the better weapon. And then you look at something like World War II and you're in a uh, Sherman tank and you're going up against the German Panzer that you can shoot it straight head on and it'll keep coming. And one shot from it and you're, you're done. And there's something about that courage that says, I'm still riding into battle. Even though the, even though that adversary has an advantage over me. Something about that courage fascinates me. Yeah, they got me outgunned. Yeah, I'm in, I'm, I might, I'm in this plane and the enemy's plane's way better, but I'm still going into battle because I know that's what I need to do. And that's, and that is what I'm called to do. I want to look around at our country for a moment and say, what, what does that mean to us? Yeah, tanks, planes, what, what are you talking about? We are used, the American church for a long time was used to being the, the biggest thing around. Had a huge influence over the country. A lot of our history, especially our early history, and this is an interesting thing to talk about on the 4th of July weekend, a lot of our history you went to school, you learned how to read from the Bible. A lot of times the, the pastor was also the schoolmaster. A lot of times there was everybody had some idea of the Bible, and the church and the Christian influence was the biggest influence in the country for a lot of our history. Let me put some numbers to it, even in the 20th century. So a little bit of research into, into when... Surveys, when they started with like with Gallup and certain other surveys, started saying, okay, what percentage of the United States attends church? 1937, first year that they had those numbers available, 73%. Basically, three out of four people in the United States attend, say, I attend church regularly. Okay. All the way to 1999, it had only dropped to about 70%. Very, that's not a big difference. You're, that, whole, that whole 20th century, you're floating around 70, 75%. People say, yeah, I regularly attend church. From 2000 to 2018, dropped to 47%. That's pre-pandemic. That's just, that's just normal church attendance. That's not even factoring in. I've shared stats before. There's a lot of surveys recently saying as many as 40 to 50% of people have stopped in-person attendance during the pandemic. And we were already down to that big of a, that big of a drop by 2018. So there's a, tw- the past 20 years has been a fall off of what, what America, how Americans treat church in a way that w- none of us have seen in our lifetime prior to that. And a whole lot bigger than the previous, you're talking, 60, 65 years where we're pretty steady. Fluctuation, a few percentages here and there, and then the past 20 years, major drop-off. And when the majority of people agree with you on something, you can feel kind of, yeah, we got the big guns on our side. Look at, look at all these people. Most people you talk to about church or most people you talk to about Jesus, you, you would get positive feedback. What are we going to do when we're not the majority anymore? not the majority of opinion, the American church has not had a lot of experience 
not being the biggest thing around, not being the biggest influencer. That's going to take some courage to preach the gospel when you're not when you're not backed up by the biggest influence around. There was a time even recently, I remember this. You remember back in the 80s and 90s, there was a time where television had kind of gotten had gotten a lot more immoral around in some of the 70s in early 80s. And then late 80s and 90s, there was this surge. The church started pushing back on Hollywood, and there was a surge of family shows. I could rattle off all kinds of family shows from back then. You probably remember Full House or Cosby or all kinds. I could name a bunch of them. There was this resurgence in family-friendly shows because the church pushed back and Hollywood went, oh, okay, yeah, well, there, there was a shift culturally in like, oh, how about now? Church push back now. What would Holly, what's Hollywood? Yeah. Slash. Like, yeah. You don't see a lot of, if the church try, pushes back on Hollywood now, Hollywood laughs or ignores or pushes back. We don't have the sway that we used to have. There's, it's, interesting to, it's interesting to think in just my lifetime, we went from, we saw that kind of shift. And I think that sometimes we take for granted how much the church got a little too comfortable and how much we could just kind of push around. There were, it used to be a time companies were afraid of being boycotted by the church if they did something or said something. Now they're afraid of being boycotted by, by the world. They're not, they're not worried about the church doing something about it if they do something. We've had major media outlets where you have commentaries say, commentators saying, well, Jesus really wasn't perfect in his worldly life in his worldly ministry and you're, it's like a few a couple of decades ago nobody would have said that on a major major media outlet they've been afraid to not anymore we're not in the we're not in the best tank or the best plane anymore we don't we're not the, we're not the big guns anymore so we're gonna have to muster up some courage if we're going to confront what's going on in our society but now, some good news, though. As much as we see, we've got to be careful that we don't let um, Hollywood tell us too much about what our culture is like. Well, I want to, let me clarify before I get into these to another group of numbers. Let me clarify what we're talking about here. We need to get out and reach the communities. And we have opportunities. We're, 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 doing, we're starting to do this every Saturday. I love seeing our church do this. I, I can tell you there's, that has been a thing with Wellspring in our history where we, we struggled with the outreach ministry. That was a, that, that's, that's kind of been that, that's been that thing for a while that we're like, we've, hopefully we'll get that right. And we're growing so much in that. I love seeing that. So, but not, but we, need, we need people to participate in that. And people to show up and participate in that. I love seeing that we're doing that more of a structured, becoming more of a core value of our church. So this battle I'm talking about, this confrontation, it's, I'm not talking about a social media argument or getting real, getting angry and marching in the streets. What we need, this battle that we need is is our culture, our 
cities are not hearing the gospel. There was, there was a time you could turn you you could turn on secular television and you would hear biblical values. And the show might have been in black and white, but it was still you were here. <laughs> you know, it might have been a little while, but you could hear biblical values on your on your mainstream television. You don't hear that anymore. People, we got, we've got communities where they've never heard the gospel. Some surveys are saying as many as a third of the people out there have never been in a church. That's a totally different. We've never had to reach that before. The American church hasn't had to do that before in our lifetimes. We need to now. So the battle I'm talking about is that battle that says, let's get out of our, the battle is our own apathy or our own fear. It says, I don't want to get out and try to witness to people. I don't want to talk to that coworker about Jesus. I don't want to talk to that family member. It's just safer to stay in my like-minded group. And that's where I feel safe. And that, that battle is shrugging off those things that are holding us back from sharing the gospel and actually talking to people, and actually having those conversations. Is it scary? Yeah, it's a little scary, because now now you you might be outnumbered in a room. You might be outnumbered in your workplace and say, hey, I, I believe the Bible, I believe Jesus, and yeah, you might be in the minority. But let me give you a little bit of encouragement. If you just looked at what Hollywood says, Hollywood has a much more extreme point of view than the actual average American people as evidenced by give you a couple ideas here hollywood is increasingly forcing agendas into their television their movies and large hollywood studios are part of the same ownership groups that own the major media outlets major networks all of that is it has a very much a cultural agenda and if that's all you saw you'd look at america and think oh we're in a lot of trouble a lot of unbiblical agenda there. Hollywood increasingly pushing sexual immorality and all kinds of things through the movies. But look at the top 50 movies in, in the United States. Grossing. You look up the domestic box office. What do Americans actually pay money to go and see? It's not a lot of sexual immorality. Maybe one out of there that has a sexually explicit scene. The rest of it is a lot of Star Wars comic book movies, a lot of family movies, animated cartoons, a lot of movies that you're like, oh, these are not the movies with the really bad content in them. Most of these are PG, PG-13 movies with, that are tend to be not have what Hollywood's pushing in them. And I kept going down. I was like, well, I'll just focus on the top 10. And I just kept going down, kept going down. And I went all the way down to like number 50. I'm going, these are not the movies that would frighten you with their sexual immorality or their explicit materials and things like that. These are actually fairly tame movies. And that's what Americans will actually pay money to go see. Hollywood will tell you, this is what's popular. Hollywood has a problem that the Oscars, which are very much will show you Hollywood's agenda. The Academy and the Academy Awards are saturated with Hollywood's agenda. Yeah, nobody cares. Nobody's watching. Hollywood, you look at you look up the storylines. They're trying to figure out what to do with the Oscars to get people to watch again because the ratings have dropped seventy five percent over the past five ten years. Nobody cares. 
Nobody's actually watching. Take the five movies that are nominated for Best Picture. Nobody's, nobody went and saw them. Combine all their box office together and it doesn't equal one actual successful movie. That's been a running joke for around Hollywood and entertainment things for a while now. Nope, nobody cares what Hollywood thinks is the best movie. It's, it's become kind of a punchline, a joke. So, if you just looked at that, you think, oh, our culture is so bad. And then you look at how our culture reacts to that and go, okay, there's still some reason to be optimistic about our culture. <laughs> our culture is really not that into what that, ex- that extreme Hollywood mindset is. That doesn't actually represent where America is, thankfully. But America still needs to hear the gospel again. Yes, we might have some, we still have an entrenched morality through most of most of the American population. Great. But just having a background entrenched morality doesn't save you. You need to, know the, you need to hear the gospel. America needs Jesus. We need, we need people saved and going to heaven. So, we're in a position we're not used to being. We're not the biggest cultural influence anymore. What a good opportunity to get up, take off the things that are holding us back, and actually get back to, hey, get back to what look, the church looked like in Scripture, where you're going out and reaching your communities, because that's what you had to do. The early church, the New Testament, and a church entirely outnumbered, outgunned, trying to take on a Roman culture that worse than what we have in America, that knew nothing, didn't even have the background, the biblical background, that at least America has some biblical background and some, at least, some influence, take on an entirely Greek, Greco-Roman culture, had to be extremely courageous. That's the kind of church we need to get. We need to get back to that. And I love how included in the in that section from Joshua is meditate on the book of the law. Yes, they only had the books of Moses. We have the entire Bible. We need to get really comfortable with the Bible. We need to get really. We need to get where we know God and we know His Word. Because the world's going to throw all kinds of things at us. All kinds of criticisms. I can tell you, and this has to have been close to 15, 15, 20 years ago, going to even a seminar at USI where they were having debates on Christian worldview or other worldviews and the perception of, of non-believers, of, of, of activists, non-believer, atheists or otherwise activists about the church was just nuts. They didn't they had no idea what the Bible... They, they could name you a few verses completely out of context, but they didn't, they didn't know the Bible. That, that's something I've heard of. Oh, you know, there's atheists that know the Bible better than believers. And yes, that's true. But a lot of times the atheists only know certain, have only been taught certain arguments and not really, they don't really know it. And unfortunately, too many believers don't know it either. We need to know, we need to know God on a very personal level. Absolutely. But we need to know his word because that's what helps ground us and keep us steady and not get hit by these all the ideas that 
the world will throw at us. Also, that will keep us grounded in love to respond to the world <laughs> the way we should. Times we have to be, we have to take tough stands on issues because of because because God does. But we need to be able to respond to the world in love. We need to be able to show them something different than what they have. If we're just another argument, if we're just another loud voice wanting attention, they're they're drowning in that. They're drowning in activists and need people with a heart for God and, and, and love, a heart for them. And so how do we get how do we get some of this courage? How are we going to get in, built up, enthusiastic? We have, we have a promise we can stand on for this as a church. Matthew 16. Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to read 17 through 19. Context of this, Peter has just, Jesus has asked the disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter has had this revelation that you are the Messiah, Son of the living God. This is Jesus' response to that. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jodah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So, Simon... And this is when he's given the name Peter. So Simon Peter has this revelation, you are the Messiah. Here's Jesus' response. It wasn't people who told you that, it was my Father in heaven. You are Peter, which means stone or rock. And on this rock I will build my church. What he's referring to is the revelation that he is the Messiah, is what he's going to build the church on. That is the foundation of the church, is that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one who saved us. That's what he builds the church on. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Interesting. Gates. Why, do he, why didn't he say like armies? Or why didn't he say how often I we've read that and we picture, I know I've been guilty of this before, picture this, you know, us in a fortress and, and hell coming against us, and, and but we're but we're safe. That's not at all what he said there. The gates of Hades, if you're, if, if gates, if you're fighting gates, that means you're the one attacking. That means you're the one going after the enemy's fortress. And if the gates do not prevail, if, if the gates hold, then they've prevailed against you. And the promise is that those gates will not hold. We have promise from Jesus saying, you are called to go to enemy territory and take it. What does that look like? That means going and sharing the gospel, people getting saved, and the enemy losing ground because people are getting saved. And if we have this mindset that we're hiding in a fortress with our like-minded people and the enemy's coming against us, that's totally backwards. That, that would be a pretty nice promise. Yeah, you'll survive the enemy coming against you, but the promise is you're going to go out and you're going to have victory in going and taking enemy strongholds and fortresses going and taking the enemy's territory. That's the promise. And that's what we're called to do. The kingdom of God is built and designed to advance. Not just hang on, but advance. And 
a lot of the American church with such high church attendance, we've been content to just sustain and just rely on our sustained population. Can't do that anymore. No longer sustainable. Must go out and take territory back. And that's what we were called to do in the first place. So maybe we're actually exactly where we should be, getting back to what we were called to do the whole time. Go and, and preach the gospel. Reach people. I'm going to go ahead and invite the worship team to come back up because I'm in closing at this point. I want to encourage you to to take advantage. Now, okay, we've talked about this. Now, what are we actually going to do about it? I get pumped up a little bit, but we should do something, actually. We, we have opportunities now. We're going we're gonna to have, on Saturdays, going door to door. And say, ah, Jason, I don't know if I can make every Saturday. I'm not asking you to make every Saturday. I don't know that I can make every Saturday. At least try it. At least try those things. The biggest things you can do is, is show up and try. What if I make a mistake? Probably will. That's, but you got to try. There is, I, hey, I can tell you, I've done street witnessing and I've had some good experiences and I've had some bad experiences. And I've seen some, God really do some things and I've seen some, some, some failures where I was completely we're like, well, wow, that was a disaster. You still got to try, though. Still got still to keep going. There is a tendency to think, hey, I'm afraid of failing. So if I don't try at all, there's no chance I'll fail. This is wrong. If you don't try, there's no chance you'll succeed. Parable of the talents. I could, I could have the verse here, but I think we're pretty familiar with it. We say talents like somebody's given, and talents was a measurement of money back then. We act like talents, like we, we use the term talent to mean like a skill or a gift that you've been given, but talents was just, a, he was just using an analogy of, I gave this person a whole lot and they were faithful with it. I gave this person kind of a medium amount and they were faithful with that. All good. No problem that not everybody has to be the five talent person. You can be the two talent person. That's totally fine. The only person he was upset with was the one who didn't try at all. Not trying, it does not protect you from failure. It imprisons you, keeps you away from success. You won't get those testimonies of, look what God did if you didn't try. And every testimony comes, and every testimony you ever heard from a speaker. There's usually some sort of part in there they were like, yeah, I've made some mistakes. Or Sometimes it's almost like funny at times. They're like, yeah, I did this and this. And, you're, and it's, it's funny because it's relatable because we've all made mistakes. But you've got to have that part of your testimony. There's got to be a try. There's got to be, be some mistakes. But then there's that success. And that's what we've we got to reach our communities with. Take that chance. Right into battle and take that chance of that success. It may start with being part of the group, going door to door. It may be talking to that coworker or that neighbor. I know that I'm not an outgoing person. I know that's a challenge. I can tell you, I've heard messages like this from a very outgoing person and they, they pound the podium and say, you got to be this outgoing person, talk to everybody. And I'm saying, you don't know my personality. That, that's very hard for me. 
as someone who appreciates, if you're, you're hearing this message and you're like, it's hard for me to reach out to people, I'm not outgoing, I sympathize. I know what that feels like. I'm encouraging you, try. As someone who appreciates that struggle, we, we got to try though. Even if we reach only a few people, that's may only be the two talent person. That's totally fine. Just don't be the one, the one talent person who didn't try. With that, let me close in prayer. Let me invite you. If you need prayer for anything, always feel free. Come up, pray. We are praying church. We'll pray for you. If the Lord's dealing with you on something on this, an opportunity he's got in mind for you, please be open to that. Consider that. Let's pray. Let's worship the Lord. Let me, let me uh, pray here and let's worship. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Lord, give us courage. Let us draw courage from your word, Lord, and from your presence. Let us take advantage of those opportunities you have for us, Lord. Let us be willing to make mistakes so that we can see success and have a testimony. Lord, give us courage if, when we're riding into battle and we're outnumbered. Lord, greater is you, greater are you in us than what's in the world. Thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So thank you, everyone who's listening to this at a later time. Um, start off one, one step at a time. It's overwhelming if you say, hey, I'm not an outgoing person. I'm going to suddenly try to, to do everything that's going on at church. You're, no, you're going to get overwhelmed. Hey, if God gives you that, great. But start off one thing at a time, one step at a time that's manageable that you can really do that you can really stick with and sometimes it's just when we have a visitor we're, we're having community things we had a cookout Father's Day and we had people from the neighborhood coming sometimes it's just walking up introducing yourself making them feel welcome that's a very important thing it's a small thing but it's a, it seem, might seem small but it's a very important thing they may never have been to church before at all. All they've ever heard in their life was negative things about church. And you can welcome them. You can you can have a major impact on them by just welcoming them, introducing yourself. Hey, I don't know what to say. That's okay. They're not expecting not expecting you to give them some amazing uh, dissertation right off the bat or something like that. They just need they just need somebody to say hi, introduce yourself, make them feel welcome. That's don't don't overthink it <laughs> let's 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 be friendly let's let's build relationships with, with people let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer lord thank you so much for today for your blessing your anointing on this service ask that it sticks with all of us lord continue to teach us how to be more like you in jesus name amen